It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome in to the Skinny Podcast, the weekly potpourri edition with Rick Boring, and I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor. As always, it's brought to you by Joseph Chevrolet. We've got a lot to talk about, local sports topics, some national sports topics, our weekly sports betting picks or two, and... I got a story about Crosswalk Guy in San Francisco. I can't wait to hear that. And Skinny, we got some good feedback on last week's podcast when we changed the format up a little bit. So we'll stick with that. All the topics first, and then betting picks after that. I like it. it I like it. All right. All right, Skinny. We talked about whether or not it was time to worry about Kentucky on the hardwood last week following the loss to Evansville. The Wildcats answered that question for us with their follow-up performance on Monday night, an uninspiring 82-74 win over Utah Valley that was close to the final minute. What's wrong with Kentucky? I guess I don't think they're. I just don't think they're very good. I mean, I, and I, very very good. I'm, I'm not talking but about a sub. A sub five. Than, they're better than Utah Valley. Yes, and they should. They're better than Evansville. You would think. Right. So, but what's wrong with them? I don't think they have dominant talent. I, I really don't. And I think the part of the problem is, you now don't have the dominant talent among young guys that you've had in the past, where literally they can win on talent alone. And that's not. A, that, I, look, I, I'm not a big John Calipari fan, as you know, but I do think he does some things from a coaching aspect that. He's a quality coach. I'm not, I'm not here to be that stupid with it. Um, but I also think it, that when, when you are trying to mix young guys who aren't uber-talented, I think there's some talent, but not uber-talented. I mean, in the past, they've had uber-talented guys. That, then that's when it becomes really hard to mesh a team, especially early in the season. And I think you're seeing that. Can this team be much better by January and February? Yeah. Do I expect it to be? Yeah. I just don't know if it's, a, if it's elite because I don't know if the talent's elite. Yeah, I th- they can they they can definitely get a lot better. I mean, what they've shown so far is nowhere near their actual potential. And I mean, heck, we've already seen them beat Michigan State. And you can say Michigan State didn't look that great in that game. And you and you're, probably, you're probably right. But at the same time, that Kentucky team that night was much different from the Kentucky team we've seen since then. And I think one of the biggest things goes back to what we talked about before the season. And certainly not just us. A lot of people with this team. Who is their go-to guy? Right. Who is going to be the guy that when the chips are down or when you've gone through a four-minute drought and you haven't scored, who's the guy that goes and gets you a bucket? And after that Michigan State game, we thought it was Tyrese Maxey. It definitely looked like it was going to be Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, he was fabulous that game. And then we found out he's a freshman point guard who can't knock down threes consistently like a lot of UK point guards in the past. And so we're kind of back to square one of who is going to be that guy And the problem for this UK team is there just doesn't seem to be a logical option to step up and do so. Now, Ashton Higgins had a big game. That was good to see. Nick Richards had a big game, but I'm going to temper that with that was against Utah Valley, and you should dominate Utah Valley with your size and strength. I want to see that against some quality big guys down the road. It was at least a nice step for Nick Richards. Yeah, let's talk about him real quick because he's so important. He's one of the guys coming back. They need that presence inside. He didn't he didn't play great in this game by any stretch of the imagination, but he did seem to start to understand at some point that wait, I am the guy that can, yes. can dominate these guys down low and I can get us going a little bit here. And he he did do that a little bit in the second half. Do you see maybe some upside there that he that, could that, figure that, this out? That's the one silver lining in this is is especially cuz don't forget they're they're down, you know, EJ Montgomery's hurt. I think they're down to seven scholarship players yeah. in practice, and that makes it hard. To, I'm not looking that to make matters. excuses. That does matter. I saw that uh, a couple times with yeah. Xavier teams when I was covering them every day in practice. You got managers stepping into practice or an assistant coach, if he's still in good shape, stepping into practice. It's not the same, as you know. Especially when you have young guys. When you can't go five-on-five five with young guys, yeah. it's hard to really replicate and give them enough opportunity. Yeah, But back to Nick Richards, I, I think the upside here is he has to play minutes, and you have to give him the ball. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you have to let him play through mistakes. You have to let him play through whatever growing pains. And maybe all of a sudden the light bulb goes off, and you do see that with big guys. I mean, how many big guys have you seen in high school, like a Deontay Miles, where you, you see, honestly, you see a young giraffe, right? He's just kind of all legs and, and, and you know the big, the big body and all that, and you're like, this cat can't ever walk and chew gum at the same time. And then all of a sudden... Senior year of high school starts to get it, and you look up, and one day they're a junior, and they're really good. And I think for big guys, it's just the maturation process is just slower sometimes. It's different. And, so, yeah. and sometimes for – I'm a big believer in this. Sometimes big guys, you know what they're afraid of? Being big. I, I, think, it, I think it really is – for the rest of us to be, boy, I'd love to be 6'10". Well, I, I'll be honest with you. 6'10 is not natural. It's just not. And sometimes I think it's – well, yeah, I dunked on the six five guy. Yeah, good for me. I, I want to do something more. I want to. Uh, no, you know what? If you're bigger and stronger, go dunk. Shaquille. That's why I always love Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal would say, "I'm the biggest, strongest guy out here, and I'm going to dunk on your head, and you're not going to stop me, and I don't care what you think of me because of that." And, and, and I loved it. 
you know the other thing I've heard from some guys who are that big is they're not there aren't a lot of good coaches yes. of people that size because they they can't relate. They're not. They don't understand how to tell you how to be a dominant force of, you know, six inches taller than everyone. You know, I I, I do it too. In my I had, in fact, I did it last night at a station with some big guys, and I take for granted that they know footwork on a jump hook. They don't. I mean, they're freshmen in high school. I don't expect that. But guess what? Sometimes freshmen in college, sophomores in college, they don't have proper footwork on a jump hook or proper footwork oh, on a drop step. Most don't. They don't. I mean, it's yeah. just they've been doing a natural ability of I'm just bigger than you are and I'm just going to turn and even though my footwork sucked and I didn't do it properly, I'm still going to dunk on you because you're a 6'3 center in high school and I'm 6'10. Well, in college, those little fundamental things matter. And for guys like this, maybe the fact you got to let him play through all of it and he's not looking over the bench and he's not worried about being yanked and none of those things, that's the silver lining, I think, to this. Yeah, I think his confidence is really, really huge. He's a guy who, who has definitely struggled with that throughout the, the course of his career and, and the fact that he is forced to be on the court that long definitely helps him get the opportunity to play through those things. Um, I do. I still think Tyrese Maxey is going to be really good. Oh, I, I do too. Don't get me wrong. I just... I know you and I disagree on this. I'm not sure I see elite talent. I see a really good player. When I'm talking elite, dude, I'm talking like the John Walls and the Bleds. The guys that just they just jump off the floor and you go, oh, that that this guy's. Absurd. I mean, but in that Michigan State game, he looked that type of special. I, he was explosive. He was knocking down. He was shots. He had the confidence. Like he can, I think he can find that again. That's who he was in high school. I still think he can be really good. He has to work through this. Um, but he needs some help too, and I think Haggins Haggins is the guy. He's the engine for this team. He's the guy that's going to drive this team. The problem is he's not skilled offensively. He right. can't make shots. He really can't. Now he got to the line. Now, he got to the line a bunch the other night, and that helped. And that's kind of the key for him. But against bigger, longer, more athletic teams, they're able to keep him out of the lane right. a little bit more while sagging off of him. And not, and they don't have to foul. So, so that's what it goes back to. Then, if that's the case, and if Nick Richards, let's say, let's say this was just because he played Utah Valley, and once he gets up against you know guys his, his same size and physicality, can't do it. And Maxi has an off night shooting the basketball. Where are we at? I mean, who who who's, who who scores? Yeah, I mean, Nate Sestina is a nice piece. It's a nice piece. But he's, he's not a, a go-to guy. Yeah, I mean, Reed Travis last year was more than a piece. I mean, Reed Travis was a dude. Um, Nate Sestina is a piece. That's that's what's well said. That's what he is. He's a fourth yeah. fourth nice option that can do certain things, but you don't need him to do a lot of things because he can't carry you at this level. I, I've been disappointed in Khalil Whitney to this point because I do think he's going— he got hurt. Yeah, I think he is talented. Um, but he just he has not been aggressive at all. Hasn't had a confidence. And and some people thought you know it might take him a little bit longer to catch on than some of those those other guys. So I mean practically, what do I want to see out of this Kentucky team? I'll be honest, Skinny. They have no identity. These guys haven't figured out that they're going to have to win with defense and toughness and heart yet at this point until they start making some shots. I want to see them throw more lobs. That was the one thing that it seems to always get Cal's offense doing. He was the guy who kind of well, that, 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 that should be a Hagen's down the lane, lobbing it to the rim. It's the perfect thing for yeah. him to do, right? Because he doesn't have to make the shot, but he can get into the lane. Cal kind of made that, you know, dribble drive, get in the lane and throw the diagonal weak side lob to the block, the opposite block, popular. I think they need to get back to that as much as possible with this group because. Other than that, I don't see a lot they do well offensively. I, I will say this. As much as he's had teams that have had growing pains, I think this one has far more than the rest as, as it goes along. And I'm not sure I expect this to be anything more than a five or six seed come NCAA tournament time. I know that's an early take. I don't mean it to be a hot take. I just I just don't see it. And maybe it clicks, and I could be way off base. I just I, I haven't seen it yet. And it's maybe an overreaction to two performances, but – Honestly, I mean, you, you don't need to be all out to beat a Utah Valley, and you shouldn't be getting beat by an Evansville at home. It, it, those things should not happen. The thing is, it's one after the next, and it, then all of a sudden you have to go, hmm, is this really what this team is? No, probably not, but where where's the upside? Now, don't forget, last year, which yeah. I think you'd agree, pretty good team at the end of the year last season, they struggled early. They looked lost. We thought you know they just didn't have it talent-wise. So these things are not uncommon with Calipari coach teams. Um, and again, we are now in the third week of November of a season that ends in March. Well, and, and the other seasons are fluid. The other thing about those first three weeks is who who looks a whole lot better than Kentucky right now? Like, granted, yes, like Louisville and, and some of these teams up at the top have, have got off to a good start. But there are a lot of teams that were supposed to be really good that are struggling well, right, right now yeah. and, and are trying to find themselves. So Kentucky certainly isn't the only one, and especially when you look in the SEC. I mean, Florida is off to probably the most wreck. disappointing start in, as anyone in the country. 
And aside from that, who's up there? Who's up to challenge Kentucky? No, I, mean, I don't see it. I, I'm with you on that. A big-time I mean, contender, the, so they can still very easily win the SEC this yeah, year. Yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's nobody that stood out for sure. Cincinnati's 85-53 win over Alabama A&M caused a lot of conversation for a blowout win in a bye game Thursday. That's because senior standout and preseason AAC player of the year Jaron Cumberland was held out. When asked about Cumberland after the game, first-year head coach John Brannon simply said that Cumberland's benching was a coach's decision. Should fans be worried about the relationship between John Brannon and Jaron Cumberland? I, yeah, absolutely. And, and I like the way John handled it. I mean, it's, it was pretty clear in the Ohio State game that Jaron Cumberland looked out of shape. Um, I don't want to say he looked disengaged, but he kind of looked disengaged. Um, he didn't force his will. It almost feels like he's just cashed it in quickly, and I don't understand. I'm not sure I get that. He looks like a guy who hasn't bought in. Yeah, and I don't. What, the thing is, this should be a system that is that is good for you, dude. Um, it really should be. Now, maybe it's maybe he thinks the fact that it's a bunch of motion offense, and I'm not being isolated and being able to pound the rock 50 times and do my thing that I have to do it through other people is not conducive to me. No, it should be. There should be some more more open floor opportunities. And guess what? If you don't like it, that's tough. Too bad. Yeah. You're the player. He's the coach. Well, and here's the interesting rub about the whole UC situation, particularly with Mick Cronin over the last several years, because Cronin had this reputation as being you know the toughness guy and so hard on the his non-players players. The non-players coach, right? Right. Yeah. But the rumors that have kind of come out and have always been there. I mean, Jaron Cumberland has never been a guy who's like a show up to practice and really work hard type of guy. He's more of a when the game lights are on, he shows up and makes plays, right? He's just not a practice guy. He doesn't like it. He doesn't go as hard as some of his teammates from time to time. That's just the reality. It's always been that way since high school. And from what it sounds like, Mick Cronin kind of understood that, was okay with it. John Brandon has asked him to buy in, work as hard as his teammates, and he hasn't responded that well. And so I think that's mostly what this was about, is him just not willing to buy in the way Brandon wants him to in practice. And I'm with you. Like, short term, fans should be worried, because it may cost you this year. If this if this continues to be friction and they can't get on the same page, then yeah, Jaron Cumberland and John Brandon not liking each other this year is going to hurt you for this season, without question. But in the long term, in terms of setting a culture and things like that, I think this is exactly what you want out of John Brandon, because this season is not nearly as important. You're, like, no offense, it's not a Final Four team. So this season is not nearly as important as the next few classes that John is bringing in and what it means for the future in, uh, of his tenure over the next three to four years. I, I agree with you. I think he did the right thing, even if it does hurt them in the short term. Yeah, and, and, it, and it may be a case of, listen, if you're not going to buy in, um, I'm going to try to win without you, and I'm going to move on. And the thing for Jaron Cumberland is, what, what are you going to do? I mean, what, what are your options here? Yeah. You don't you don't buy in and then you do what? I mean honestly, then you do what? You're by no means a surefire NBA prospect. Not even man. close. You're a fringe guy, maybe. Not even close. Right. Yeah. And, and and those are the guys that that get two way deals and or the last guy on a bench. And if you're gonna be that guy, you better be a quality guy. You better just be a be a team kind of guy to kinda of hang. I mean, I have used the example of Tayshawn Prince. When he first went in the NBA, he was the eleventh guy on the Pistons bench. And all all anybody talked about was what a great teammate he is. You know, he, he does all the things right. Well, then guess what? He finally got his opportunity. And, and you know, remember that one block shot from behind? It felt like that kind of spurred his career. Yep. And then he became a longtime NBA veteran because he got what he was supposed to be. And he kind of was like happy to be in the league. And I'm going to figure out my role. And that's what Jaron, that's the best Jaron can hope for at this stage of the game. I mean, it really is. But if you're going to show this now, team's going to take a chance on a fringe level NBA guy. There's, two, there's 9 billion of you out there, guy. Right. You don't want this reputation in the. Type, in the type of situation he's in. so And especially doing it now, I think, is the time. I mean, let's face it. It was the a time, game you knew you were going to win. Correct. That's the best time to do it, right? I You're mean, at home. It's right before you take off for this Paradise Jam. Where it's just you and the guys. Right. I, I think this it made a lot of sense. And I don't think, you know, assuming Jaron is good to go from here, buys in and says, you know, my bad. Let's get back on track and, and is good the rest of the way. Then this won't matter. No one will remember it. There's no guarantees that happens. So kind of following up on that, do you think the Bearcats undoubtedly win the Paradise Jam this week? With or without him, they should. I mean, it's not a great field. In fact, yeah. it's kind of a ugh, field. The best I, team, I, I think, is Nevada. Yeah, and they're not. I mean, the look, look, look at all the guys they lost from right. last year. They're outside the top 100. Yeah, without Ken question. Bomb, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's Illinois State's the first opponent. I think Bowling Green and Western are on UC side, I believe. Yeah, which should be a decent game between either of those teams. You got Valpo and Grand Canyon, and you got Fordham and Nevada. If you don't win this, you should win this without him. And maybe if you win this with him, with an engaged him, there's the light bulb moment. It is for everybody. Hey, you know what? Let's go. 
let's go. It'd feel real easy to get things going back in the right direction with the way this plays out, right. right? I mean, you can win three games here on this trip, have a little bonding time. And, and, and we don't know what, obviously the coach's decision, it's very clear that he didn't try to make this as an excuse of, ah, his ankle's a little sore. Uh, you know, he's, he doesn't feel right. here. No, this was literally coach's decision. We all know what that means. Right. But I, I think it is, it could have been something very minor in a practice setting, right? It could have been, but it could have been the third time he's told him something in a practice setting. And this is a great time to lay down the law with all of that and say, all right, you don't want to do it your way, man. I'm not going to play it tonight. So let's, 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 let's get real about this. I think it's been building since the summer from what I've heard. Yeah, I do too. But you're right. I think there was something that clearly happened within the last week. That's kind of like the final straw moment that, okay, we need to get on the same page now or it may never, well, we're not going to get on it. We'll move on. Yeah. Skinny, a new flopping rule has been implemented into the college game this year, and already we've seen it play a big role in certain outcomes, including Xavier's win over Missouri State on Friday. Missouri State was called for a flop on a three-point attempt with under a minute to play and the game tied, which resulted in a free throw to give Xavier the lead. Xavier then scored a two-pointer possession later and went on to win the game. Do you like college basketball's new flop rule, which assesses a technical foul for players flopping? No. I mean, all you're doing is you're helping, you're making the official's job easier. You who's to say a guy flopped? I mean, honestly, I mean, part of selling a charge is you over-dramatize it, right? I mean, some of that is... is because the, you coaches, you I, damn coaches. Yeah, I mean, part of it, honestly, part of it is, ah, you know, you, you, you sell the charge, right? Now, if, if a guy jumps up and you're five feet away and you go backwards, then guess what? You can say that's a flop. I can also say that's a no-call. Let's just play on here. I mean, if it didn't affect the play... In, in the case of a flop, then just play on. If, if it's not, then call the block. If you thought the guy got knocked over, call the charge. It's really not that complicated. See, I actually love this because this is, they, they, they say all these things like, oh, it's about player safety and da, 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 da. It's never about player safety when they do it. This is one time where a rule, and they didn't, this isn't about player safety, but I think this actually does more for player safety than anything else. I think all the collisions underneath the basket, guys constantly flailing on the ground, diving backwards into each other's knees, that's as bad as anything for the sport, in my opinion. And we see a lot of injuries happen that way. Not to mention, it just is brutal to watch. No one likes it in soccer. No one likes it in any other sport. When well, soccer, I mean, so, the soccer flop is way more, uh, way more dramatized than the basketball flop. Basketball's gotten bad, especially with the damn charge. You coaches telling, and that, that's the other thing. I don't want to see a single coach yell at their players for getting one of these technicals for flopping because you've been teaching it for decades. No, it's I, ingrained in your player's no, I, mind to flop. It's in high school. It's been in high school for a few years and, and I had an official a couple times the last couple of years come up to me and go I, I've said is how's that not a charge and he said well I could have called your guy for flop and I said my guys don't know how to flop and they don't I, nobody, te- nobody teaches flopping you that's don't. untrue well I don't teach it I mean I teach either you take the charge or you don't take the charge it's pretty simple you, you either just said over dramatize it yell and flail well yeah that's but you gotta, you gotta yell I mean that's what when you get hit you absolutely do it that's not a flop if you get hit Dramatize to the only fish you got hit. Don't, don't take the hit and then lay on the ground and go, boy, that hurt. I just got run over without selling it. Stand there and act like, well, you know what? How about this? Quit standing like a parking cone and taking charges. Defend the ball. Block a shot. Make no. a steal. No, 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 shuffle no, no. your feet. No, no, Okay, so you're, you're talking about different things. Six, nine guys can block shots. I got guys that are six foot and under. They're not blocking shots, Rick. So they, you got to take a charge. Mm, High school I, guys need to take a charge. And honestly, college guys a lot of times do. Jumping at shooters is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Well, Jumping at straight line driving shooters is the dumbest thing ever because the only thing you're going to do is you're going to foul the guy or he's going to go posterize you. Stop jumping at him. Take a charge. You want to come from the weak side and block a shot? Come from the weak side and block a shot. You want to be seven feet and protect the rim? Okay, I'll give you some of that. But a guy driving right at you, you are going to probably foul him if you jump up and try to block it. Stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Take a charge. I like the rule. I think there'll be less charges taken. I think this is good that it's going to get out of the game. That being said, that play in the Xavier Missouri State game, which Missouri State is in the Centaur Center with a chance to pull the upset in the final minute. Yep. That is a tough call right there because I'll be honest, it looks like Paul Scruggs hits him on the arm. Now, the ref is watching right at him, and the guy, which is what everyone does, he gets hit, so he's been told to fall down if you get hit on your shot. The problem is the ref's watching right at him, and it wasn't really in the motion of the shot. It's kind of like he comes back, lands, and falls backwards. Right. So then it is a flop at that point, and I get why it was called by the ref. I don't necessarily think the ref was wrong. He may have missed a foul on Paul Scruggs on the actual shot. The the thing, I guess, for for this is, I I don't mind a call. I just don't know why it's a technical foul. That's the part I guess I don't don't get that Well, what else would you do? I, I play on. Just play on. 
I mean, just play on. Either you call a foul on that play or just play on. See, but I think, but that, but that's the issue. Again, you still have people flopping then. Even, even if you're not calling it, people are going to continue to do the flopping. And one, it makes the official's job harder if everyone's constantly flopping. Stand up so we know you got fouled. And if you got fouled, fine. If we see you faking it, it's a technical. We're not doing that anymore. I, I like the rule, the intent of the rule. That being said, this just happened because guess what? Refs make bad calls, which they may have done in this situation. Or even if they interpret it properly, if I'm Dana Ford, that is a tough pill to swallow when you get you get jobbed on a new rule like that that's kind of experimental still. They're right. still figuring out how to call it. That's a tough way to go down. And that's going to continue to happen this year as they continue to make it a point of emphasis. All right, Skinny Xavier's already in Charleston for the Charleston Classic where the Musketeers will take on Towson in the first round. They'll face either UConn or Buffalo in the second round, and the expectation was two wins would set up a championship game against Florida. But with the way the Gators have struggled, that doesn't seem to be a guarantee anymore. Miami, St. Joe's, and Missouri State are also on the other side of the bracket. What's your expectation for Xavier in the Charleston Classic? I mean, you might be a, have a Xavier-Missouri State final, right? May, may have the rematch. <laughs> I mean, you might play them again, and, and, and who, who knows what happens. I... I on paper, Florida's the best team in this, right? Florida on paper, and yep. they've not played that way, as you just mentioned. They've lost a couple games, um, just lost to UConn over the weekend, have not played very well. Um, obviously, UConn, I guess you can flip side that and say, well, maybe UConn's better than what you think they are, and maybe they are. Um, but on paper, and based on rankings, you, yeah. Xavier's the second best team in it. So with this the way UCon- Florida's playing, I think you'd say Xavier should win this now. This UConn team lost to St. Joe's right. after that win, so right. they ain't that right. good. Right, right. No, no, I, I'm with you. I'm just, you know, you can always couch both sides of the way a, a result ends up. Sure. Um, yeah, on paper, Florida's probably still the best team, and Xavier's the second best team. So I think the expectation is Xavier should should win this, or at least get to the final of it. Be in the finals. Yeah, I, that is the expectation here. If you lose in any, either of the first two rounds, it's going to be disappointing for this team. That being said... Because you lose to Florida, eventually Florida in, in theory, and I know this is in theory, Florida's going to be a top 30-ish, top 25-ish level team, right? And, and again, I go back to the SEC, like... Who's that much better? They're yeah, still yeah, yeah. A top three team in the SEC, like yeah, even I, if they're not that good. Yeah, I'm giving you a worst case scenario here with yeah, the top oh, third. Sure. So, so yeah. yeah, if even if even if you lost that game, it's not an awful loss. You win that game, it could translate into a top, like I said, top thirty, top twenty five tier win when all said and done. Yeah, I, th- I mean, it would be a great win if they got to that point. A good win, I should say, if they got to that point, regardless of what. And I think anything before that. that is not a good loss. And that's the concern because I don't think it's it's a guarantee that this team you know gets through to the championship with the way they've been playing and the way they've been struggling to make shots. You got you got to win the first one against Towson without a doubt. Um, UConn or Buffalo, I, I mean, especially you saw UConn's already pulled off a nice win against yep. Florida. There's no guarantee you get that game if they do win. At least two games. Heck, if they win the whole thing, they win three games. All of a sudden, they're seven and zero, and right. despite those early struggles. You're feeling pretty good about this team, no question. I think. If they win two games and then lose to Florida, let's say they do continue to struggle offensively. They win a couple grinded out, you know, 64-58 type games or something like that. Where are you at on the Xavier team coming out of that trip? Pretty much exactly, exactly where, where you were. Yeah, exactly where yeah. you were. Um, yeah, I think that's a good point because I think a lot. some of it too is how do they play? Are they, are they still playing fairly ugly? Yeah, I mean, if they go and start scoring the ball a little bit, make a few shots, and they you know win those first two round games by right now, that's a, right now that's more, an if that's an if it's a massive <laughs> if it's it's more of like a pipe dream is the way it feels. Um, but if they dominate, I don't know. Maybe, maybe games, they can, you start feeling pretty good. Maybe they can create some offense with defense. <laughs> don't start that again. Uh, Skinny, I'm sorry, I'm stupid. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> let's switch gears here. Skinny, the Bengals lost to the Raiders seventeen to ten on Sunday. They had their chances, but. Rookie quarterback Ryan Finley was not great in that game. He was 13 of 31 for just 113 yards, a quarterback rating of 39, no touchdowns and an interception in that game. We're getting to the point. We talked about you needed to see what this kid had, but if he continues to play like this, do you at some point make the decision to put Andy Dalton back as the starting quarterback? I, I will say, I think Zach Taylor left that door wide, wide, wide open on Monday when he mentioned that Ryan was the starter for the Pittsburgh game, and I'm not looking beyond that. Now, you can also read into that that he means I'm just, I'm, my focus is on the Pittsburgh game. But, but I think there was a bigger meaning than that. That yeah. that was the that you know that was the vote of confidence, non vote of confidence. Um, and I think now we are on a Ryan better play well against Pittsburgh, or then it's up to grabs. Because if you still continue to say we're trying to win a game, 
The Jets come into town the week after that, and if Ryan Finley has a third straight poor game, Andy Dalton gives you, and I think Andy Dalton still gives you the better chance to win, but I do understand why they want to look at Ryan Finley. I bought into that part of it. I, I think it was still too early in the process, but okay, whenever they chose it, they chose it. And you've seen what, I don't want to say a worst, maybe you have seen a worst case scenario. You know, I, I, the, I thought this guy at, at the best is a backup quarterback. I don't know. I think Jeff Driscoll would have done better. I mean, I, I get why they kept, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, I get why the roster decisions were made the way they were right. made. Um, I think you're seeing why Ryan Finley was a fourth round draft pick and why there were questions about his arm strength and, and questions about his, his ability overall. And he doesn't have a big arm. Um, honestly, he should have thrown two pick sixes on Sunday. He's lucky he didn't have, have those circumstances. They, they, they thought they had some bootleg action stuff that they should have gotten and, and hit on and didn't. And, the bootlegs on the quarterback. I mean, he he needs to do those things. Makes a terrible decision on the fourth down play. Um, I know it. You know he had a choice of who to throw to. It could have been any of the guys. He sees the coverage on Damian Willis. Chooses to go to Damian Willis based on the coverage. Dude, I'm looking at my guy Tyler Boyd, who's Mister Third Down, Mister Fourth Down. I'm looking at the player and not the play. I ain't looking at Damian. I may come back to Damian Willis, but I'm not going to stare down Damian Willis to the point where the safety comes over. Maybe if you look at Tyler Boyd for first, because I'm looking at Tyler Boyd and Tyler Eifert. Right. Two two. Great targets on a fourth and four play. I'm going to look at them first because again, you can take any of the any of the matchups, and apparently both were wide open on the play. He makes a quick decision that he sees the coverage he likes against Damian Willis. No offense, that's great. I'll come back to you, Damian. Let me look here and here, and yeah, maybe you don't have time to come back to Damian, but I ain't looking there first. I, I mean, let's be real. I'm looking at Tyler Boyd and saying, "Dude, you're my guy on this play." And I think some of that is he's a young quarterback who doesn't understand Tyler Boyd's clutching these spots. I'm, I'm going to take the player over the play. And part of the play was it could go to Tyler Boyd. Right. And Tyler Boyd wasn't happy about no. the game. Not just that play, but overall he had zero yards in the game um, as clearly the best receiver on the team at this Three point. Targets. Three targets. That's Three targets for them to not look his way. So uh, I think Tyler Boyd is, is justified in his opinion. It seemed like, you know, Zach Taylor made comments about the other, the other 52 guys aside from Ryan Finley needing to play better as well. Did, did you get the sense that he felt the rest of the team quit around Ryan Finley? No. Or did you just think no, I, there's I, too I, much I, criticism on just the quarterback? I, yeah, and I think that's... I mean, it always is the case. That's why everybody loves the backup quarterback, right? You always right. love the sight unseen. That's why everybody... In your business, why, why do fans love recruiting so much? Because it's the next guy. It's the unknown. The guy we haven't seen yet. Right. He'll that's, be great. that's always the Kiki best guy. Kiki Tandy is going to solve all great, of Xavier's right, problems. Right. And I get yeah. that because that's that's the thing you're clinging the hope to, right? That's what right. You're, you're hoping that guy. All right. Well, now you've seen this guy and he is what we all thought he was. And if you continue to tell me we're trying to win a game or games, who gives you the best chance at the position? The guy who was taken five teams to playoffs and won games in this league and entered the year 20th in NFL history in passer rating or rookie fourth round draft pick who looks lost on top of sub lost. Right. But we already knew Andy Dalton was going to give them the better chance to win. We already knew this wasn't a move to actually win a game. But the problem is you've got to now keep those veterans engaged. And if suddenly they look and they they were excited by Ryan too, I think just for the end. Now they're talking in terms of, I mean, Tyler Boyd called him five. He didn't call him Ryan or, you know, Ryan missing. That's five missing. That's not great. Five's got to look my way. Five. It, oh. does, it doesn't feel great when <laughs> you're just getting you're called, wide, called the number. Wide receiver number one's calling QB number one by his number. By his number. Um, and, and so they need to have something to cling to, too. And so if you're going to keep running, running rookie quarterback out there and they can't cling to that guy, and at least they know, hey, Andy's done it. I've been a part of teams that Andy's done it on. Coach, go back to Andy. Just give us a fighting chance here. This kid but gives us no chance. This question was asked when they originally made the decision. Is there the chance that you're going to go back to Andy? And I don't know that he said completely 100% no, but he basically said, no, we need to see what Ryan has, and he's going to need an extended opportunity to okay. do so. Three games is fairly extended, in my opinion. I, Three games of suck. I mean, he look, he's been awful. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong that they do need to make that decision. I'm just saying that... I mean, old boy's completed less than 50% of his passes in a league where if you don't complete 60%, you're really not very good. Especially the way the game is played. Yeah. Now, I am still 100% of the opinion that no matter who you put back there at quarterback, they'd look bad. And I'm not saying they'd look as bad as Ryan Finley, but they would look bad. I think it's an impossible situation to put a rookie quarterback who probably isn't the most talented to begin with in with this roster right. around him. So I didn't expect anything to come out of this. I don't think it's a fair opportunity for him. At the same time, he's been even worse than we could have expected. And I don't really see much of a reason to keep this project going on. All right, I'm going to set it over. Over, under for games. Andy Dalton starts the rest of the year. I'll set it at two and a half. You taking the over or you taking the under? I'm going to take the over. 
I, th- I think you're probably right. I mean, let's see. We've got six games left. Ryan's I, definitely starting this one. It's hard to imagine he goes past three more games, right? I mean, if it's, if it continues this bad, and I can't imagine it won't. Because if not, you're losing the locker room. You will have completely lost faith in any of those veterans are going to look at you as a head coach and go, dude, are we trying to win a game? Or are we trying to see what we got in this quarterback? What, what, yeah. what are we doing? You keep telling me we're trying to win games, and yet you keep running this jamoke out? Which, on, which I personally don't care. I'm sure a lot of the veterans in that locker room don't actually care about. Oh, the I think at they abso- I think they care about winning a game. No one wants to be 0 16, dude. No one wants to be 0 16. Really? No, nobody does. Nobody wants that stigma. Not one single veteran would want that stigma. Man, I I feel like there's probably. I think for these guys, to their credit, I think they do come to work each week preparing to win that week's game to the best of their ability. Not all. Cordy Glenn certainly is not among that group. A.J. Green's obviously not among that group. But I think for the most part, the guys that are on the 53, they're grinding to win a game. I I, I see guys. I thought I saw some signs in the Baltimore game of guys quitting. I saw none of that Sunday. I didn't. I saw guys busting their ass to try to win that game, especially when suddenly you look up and you go, Damn, we're in a game. Let's go. That's fair, but I don't think trying hard on Sunday when the lights are on and you know you're out there playing a game, which by the way is kind of fun. You get caught up in the emotion of it anyway. Is trying to me, it's like all the little things during the week, the attention to detail that you do and being locked in to win a game. I find it hard to believe this team is like the most engaged in the NFL. I don't know. Right I mean, do you, you, is Oakland great? No, but Oakland's on the cusp of they're in the playoff race, and you stood toe to toe with them. No, I mean, look, it was it was not a terrible showing. And that happens team. in the league. Let's face it, that happens in this yeah, league. I and, mean, and it should it should happen in this league. These guys are all paid professionals, elite athletes. You know, um, except for Ryan Finley, maybe. And Randy Bullock. Uh, that was probably and Randy Bullock. mean. He's not, a, he's not a lead athlete. He's a kicker. Skinny Chino Atkins had his best game of the season in Sunday's loss to the Raiders as he piled up five tackles and a sack and a half. He now has a team-high four-and-a-half sacks on the season and 75-and-a-half for his career, which ranks second in franchise history behind only Eddie Edwards, who had 83-and-a-half sacks, allegedly. You you debate this. I'm going to debate this here in a minute. Will Geno Atkins surpass Eddie Edwards as the Bengals' sack king before his career and stripes is over? All right, PJ Combs, are you listening to this? Please listen and listen good. And he knows this already, by the way. Geno Atkins is already the Bengals' career sack leader because the NFL did not start recording sacks as an official stat until 1982. Eddie Edwards recorded a chunk of his sacks prior to 1982. So hence, Geno Atkins already is the Bengals' all-time sack leader. Now, the Bengals claim their own sack records, and hence that's why Eddie Edwards is considered the franchise leader. But Eddie Edwards is not, by NFL standards, the the Bengals' career sack leader. That belongs to one Geno Atkins and belongs to him already. That seems a bit weak of you to go out on a technicality like that. It's not I a technicality. Want the the I, league started keeping it as an official statistic in 1982. Right, right. That's where we start with sack totals. But Everything else prior... See you later. Mike Reed of the Bengals once sacked the quarterback five times in a game in 1971 or 72. Guess what? Doesn't count. Sorry. Technically speaking. But, I mean, if you have the records there and you know someone else had more in stripes, I mean, I think you got to give it to him as like a an official recorder of the team's history. The recorder of the team's history starts and the NFL considers it a stat, and that began in 1982. So, 1982. Do you think Gino can pass 83 and a half before he leaves? I, what, what do you think Gino's I do, future I think he, has in store? Yeah, I think, he, I think he's still here next year. I, I don't think they deal him. And he's obviously still under contract. Yeah, under contract they signed so four-year four yeah, deal yeah. last year, right? So, yeah, I, I, yes, I think, I think that's about, that sounds about right. So, I mean, he's going to get, let's just yeah. go ballpark of two more this year. That gets you to 77 and a half, and I can't see him getting anything less than seven over the next year or two of his career. So, yeah, I think he does surpass that. I think he does too, and I just don't because I don't see if you weren't going to get rid of him at this trade deadline or maybe this offseason if there's any there's value, not. which yeah, I yeah. don't think there really no, is. I don't think they do at, at the at what you paid him and the fact that he's going to be 35 when he's like an unrestricted free agent. I 35 or 36. Yeah, at that point. I think at that point he's done. Yeah, I I don't know if he'll play out the rest of his career with the Bengals. Like he may just be done before then. But he's probably, think, but he's probably going to get the six sacks that he needs. Yeah, over the next couple of seasons, he's gonna, yeah. he's gonna, he needs nine to break. It. Nine, actually, actually yeah. eight and a half to break it. Technically, that would get him to eighty-four mm-hmm. on a round number. But by NFL record rules, he already is the Bengals' all-time sack leader. Well, that's great. PJ Combs, are you listening? Strike that from your record book, my friend. All right, Skinny, let's go national here. We'll switch to college football. Tua Tagovailoa suffered a dislocated right hip in Alabama's 38-7 win over Mississippi State on Saturday, ending the quarterback season and potentially his college career. There's been a lot of controversy and questions surrounding this situation. I have two questions for you. Do you think Nick Saban should have held Tua out of the game against Mississippi State, especially considering he was recovering from an ankle sprain? And do you think Tua has played his last college game? 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, get the first. The last part of this question I think is really, really interesting. But let me get to the first part of it. The, the whether Nick should have. I, I think if a guy's deemed healthy, you play him no matter what. I, you just play him. I think you need to get him, continue to get him reps, continue to play him. It's just that's the way it is. You know, they 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 left him in to run a two minute drill, so they obviously wanted to rep something specifically. I I get that. It's just it's freaky that it happened. It's disappointing. I. I I think any time an injury like this happens, it's easy to point a finger, and especially Nick Saban because he's such a jackass, to point the finger and go, what, what are you doing here, dude? Did you need to run the score up at that point? Did you? What were you, what were you thinking of doing? No, I think you're coaching your team, and I, I don't think you can put your guys in a bubble and go, ah, let's not play Fred because Fred might get hurt. Well, okay, you know what? This guy might fall, and you all might die the next day. I, 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 yeah. It wasn't 56 nothing. by no, the way. No, wait, it was first half. Yeah. <laughs> it was first half. So, and, and, and look, I, again, you were in control of the game. I think that's where everybody looks at it. They were in control of the game at that point. But still, I but mean. You, but look, if you wanted to rep him in a two-minute drill, okay, you're doing it in a light. Yeah, you can say, well, do it in practice. Look, you're doing it with live bullets, with, with live clock, with, with live timeout circumstances. Obviously, they had a specific thing they wanted to do. Dude got hurt. I'm sorry for it. It stinks that he got hurt, but I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just blaming I'm blaming the, the freak things of nature that happen. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think this is part of what makes Nick Saban Nick Saban is everyone is the same. Like, he doesn't treat Ole Miss and preparing for them differently. Or than Mississippi he, State in this case. Or Mississippi yeah. State. And they already, they already beat the crap out of Ole Miss. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter it doesn't between matter. those yeah, two. Correct. But uh, he doesn't treat them any differently than he does Auburn or Clemson or, or Ohio State. Like, he prepares I, I, like it's a regular I, And game. I don't think you should. Are you healthy? Okay, then we're going to go with all our guys. Like what? now, I would say if and and just look at him hobble off the field against LSU. I don't know the level of that health, but I don't think he'd also run a player out there. Look, mate, was he a hundred percent? Probably not. I mean, you can probably almost assume not a hundred percent. But if he's enough to play and he's deemed himself enough to play, then then you play the guy. Yeah, doctors cleared him. He said he was healthy enough. Um, now the the people bringing up like the ankle sprain having something to do with his hip. The only possible way you could say that is that is he overcompensated, or that he normally would get away and yeah, okay, wriggle yeah, out of something yeah, that could yeah, right, hit so right, directly. Right, right, maybe, maybe, but he's not like this elite wriggly guy to begin with. You know what I mean? It was kind of a freak injury, just the force that fell on him the way it did. Um, plus, not to mention, he seems to be a guy who's a bit injury prone. Now that it's, you start, it's getting there a little bit. Look at his career; it's getting there a little bit. Um, so, I, yeah, the people that are saying why was he playing, I just don't understand that. I think those are the people that second guess. Anything that happens. Yeah. I mean, if they hold him out this game and they play what, like an FCS school next week? They do. They play Western Carolina I believe, yeah, this right. coming week. So you, so they say, okay, you could have held him out two weeks and rested him two more weeks before the Iron Bowl. Well, then what happens when you lose the Iron Bowl? And, and he wasn't, Tua wasn't sharp. Exactly. Then it's Bingo. Nick Saban's fault for not Bingo. getting him ready when he could have against two K- teams. And he may have held him out against Western. Maybe this was sure. the, was the last the last time of saying. Maybe Listen, that's why he was repping the two minute drill. Exactly. That I'm not going to rep him against Western Carolina in this, and, and I need him to be ready for the Iron Bowl. Do you think he's played his last college? That's game? a great question, man. I'm going to say no because I think his stock has now slipped because of the injuries. I think NFL teams, and I know you can say. You can get him to the combine. You can get him to workouts. You can see all of those things if they're if if he's if he's but, right. But he's probably not going to be healthy by he's that time. Probably right? not going to be healthy by that time. And so then your stock slips. So then you go from I think you can anybody can safely agree a healthy Tua is a top five selection, if not a top two selection, if not on many boards the overall number one selection. Right now, does he slide down to late first round or the injury issues because we didn't get a chance to see him work out and. I, I got I to see some things from him. Does he slide then to the second round on some boards? And at that point, if you're two, you're like, I'm going to come back next year healthy and show y'all, and I'm going to be the number one pick next year ahead of Tanner Lawrence. And then it becomes a really good quarterback class next year. If he's going it's to— It's a great—I've been thinking this question because it's been brought up nationally, and I don't think anybody has a great answer for this. Because they don't know. They just simply don't know. I think what—here's what, what's going to happen, in my opinion. We're going to get to the combine and all that stuff, and they're going to start nitpicking the quarterbacks Everything. and all the other— Everything. Prospects, and no one's going to see him. So they're going to start circling back around to, well, Tua's, Tua's rising up people's boards again without so you, seeing So him. you think it's best for him not to come back just I, because of that potentiality? Well, not so much because of that. Because it's a good that. point. But, but I do think he's going to stay first round because of that, right? Like, I don't think there's any way he's going to slip all the way to second round. I don't either in all, all likelihood. Because, because GMs, not just in the NFL, but across all sports, love the unknown, love the guy they haven't seen as much. And granted, they've seen yeah, We've seen of a chunk of, of Tua, yeah. But I just mean more so that, like, once we get but to then when you, combine you, time where everyone else is running and he's not, they're going to be like, well. When you're investing in a franchise quarterback, though, and that's what you'd be doing here with Tua, right? You you have you you got to have injury questions. I mean, right or wrong, you got to be- wonder 
Am I taking a guy who, who every time he gets hit is going to have something? I mean, you have to ask that. I don't know if it's fair, but you got to ask the question. 100%. But I think that's the reason he will not play another college game because that's twofold. One, I think the way a lot of football people look at it is whether you're injury prone or not, the more hits you take before we get you is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Like you're putting yeah. more mileage on your body, more potential that we're going to get the injury happen to us. Two, he already does have a reputation being injury prone. This is a catastrophic type injury. If he comes back and has one more injury, whether it's a big deal or not, and it holds him out for three or four games, skinny, his stock is plummeting at that point. Now he that's re- fair. now you really do question, do you take this guy in the first round at all? And I guess maybe that's where, if you, he can't really have an agent, but that's where you've got to get the feeler for where do teams really look at him this year? Do they Are they really scared by the hip enough that he does slide out of the first round into the second round at some point? I think he's at least a first round. I, I, I do for too. me, that would be good enough if I were him. But, but I'll be honest with you. If I'm a team that's looking to build around a quarterback – I'm not sure I'm taking the guy. I think I'm the team taking him with, I've already got my guy, but this is an intriguing possibility down the road, like the Ravens. Yeah, I got it's, Joe it's a Fla- Lamar Jackson I, I got Joe Phil Flacco, but I'm intrigued by this Lamar Jackson guy. And then they found out what they got. And it's, hey, we're all in with Lamar Jackson. Look, trust me, the Ravens look really smart right now. They really do. Um, but they also got a little lucky here. Let's face it. They, they already had a guy, so it was worth the intriguing pick. Yeah, they took him with that second. Pick, by that's the way. right. That wasn't that's their right. first pick in the draft. That's right. Yeah, yeah no, I and, and again, kudos to them. And they've very quickly evolved into arguably the best team in the NFL in large part because of Lamar Jackson. And I'm somebody that will stand up and say, I was wrong about the guy. I still, I still don't know if it's sustainable because I'm still thinking he's one hit away from, from crash, bang, boom. But hey, to this point, the guy's been great. In the case of Tua, man, I just don't know if I'm a team that can take him in, in all good faith. I mean, if I'm the Bengals in the, in the recent injury history they've had with first-round picks, and a lot of it out of their control. I mean, Billy Price hurt himself at the combine. Uh, Jonah Williams got hurt in a practice. Will Jackson got hurt in a practice. John Ross did have an injury history before he got here, but it was something that they thought they could clean up. I'm not taking that guy. As much I, you know me, I told you last week he's my he was your well, guy. He's my yeah. guy. Yeah. I mean, he's my guy by far. So that's what I was. I was just going to bring that point up. Like, how much does this change for the Bengals? Because I do have to think he had to be well, right at the top of consideration for them. Yeah, I, I still, I do have, and I even have questions about him before that. But if you were ranking the quarterbacks, which we did last week, yeah. he's my guy quarterback wise. The, the, there's too many questions. About to me, the Chase Young is such a can't miss that I. If I've got the number one overall pick, I'm not taking a Joe Burrow and hoping Joe Burrow's the LSU Joe Burrow. Hell, I don't. He might be the Joe Burrow of last year, for all I know. He might be the Ryan Finley who looks great. You know, so many times we look at those numbers, like Dwayne Haskins. Everybody looked at Dwayne Haskins' numbers at Ohio State, right? The 50 touchdowns and standing back in the pocket and slinging one 70 yards. He sucks. Now, granted, he's. I feel bad for that dude. Yeah, I mean, he's in a bad situation, but he's not very good either. He hasn't been very accurate. He's just not very good. Maybe he evolves into a good quarterback. Um, for me, I'm going to look right now, if I'm if I have the number one pick, there's not a can't-miss quarterback, in my opinion. I, that's I, what I was I'm saying taking me a can, I'm taking me the can't-miss guy, and I think I mentioned last week, if I can, and I know that there's teams below me that are desperate to draft a couple of those quarterbacks, and I can get Chase Young at three or four or five, then I'll go backwards and get... But right now, if I'm the Bengals and I'm sitting at number one, I'm shopping that front first pick to somebody who needs a quarterback with the knowledge where, where I land has to be giving me the chance to get Chase Young. Agreed. And if not, I'm taking Chase Young. Period. End of story. I agree. and Because Andy Dalton can be your quarterback for another year to get you to another draft class. Yeah. And and heck, if you if you take Chase Young this year, really, no matter who you take this year, you'd really like to draft at the top of next year's draft too. Like, right. I'd really and you like, probably will. I'd like this to be a Chase Young and Tank again. And then you try to get Trevor Lawrence or... Or you franchise tag A.J. Green and get a first-round pick from him. And maybe get back in the draft and get a quarterback at some point. I don't... That, that to me, Chase Young's a can't miss. I'm just... I'm taking the can't miss guy. I'm with you. But I do think if you're the Bengals, there's no way you can take two anymore. No You just can't be the team that takes the chance. You have to get it right. You yes. have to. There's yes. too many question marks now with this yes. injury. And look, if Chase Young was a failure, I don't think anybody would blame you because I think I don't think there's one single scout, one single NFL personnel person that's going to look at Chase Young and go, "That guy's not going to be great." Yep, I'm with, I think the worst case scenario is he's really solid NFL player for years. To come. I think he's going to be more than that. Oh, I, I think everyone does, yeah. and, and he probably will be. All right, Skinny, let's wrap it up uh, with one more national topic before we get to our betting. Goofy, with 15 seconds left in Kansas's 110-57 beatdown of Monmouth. Hawks guard George Pappas snuck up behind Kansas' point guard, stole the ball, took it the other way, and dunked it with authority, got up in the Kansas dude's face talking smack, and then ran back down the floor to a course of booze, twice yelling, I don't give an F. I assume you solved this I did. clip. I did. 
Should we enshrine George Pappas in Springfield right away, or do you have an issue with Pappas's sportsmanship and class, quote unquote? Huge issue with it. Huge issue <laughs> Skinny, with it. Don't do it. Look, man, if a team's just dribbling out the clock, let them dribble out the clock because they're showing you a little sportsmanship in class. They're not trying to show you up. For you to do that to get your extra two points, screw you, dude. If I was that coach, honestly, he'd still be running steps this to, to this day. In fact, I'd have rang his alarm again this morning at 6 and go, get up, you're going to the gym. Or honestly, you don't want to be around, go somewhere else and play George. See, that, that's the problem, though. You look at it from the coach's perspective. I do. If I was You're asking me that. Guy, I, what would I do? I know exactly what I would I do. Know, but we're, we are basketball fans when it comes to this situation. And you're going to tell me you don't absolutely love no, seeing this clip. I don't. <laughs> I don't. On. What a clown. That, this was inc- I will never forget that this happened. I will always remember the night that that monument did, dude, hang George Pappas. The night that George Pappas cut the 55-point margin of defeat to 53. <laughs> yes. Way to go, George. <laughs> tell me you It won. would only matter to me if I had Monmouth getting 53 and a hook. In three years from now, when no. I bring up this play, tell yes. me you won't remember it. I'll remember it. I'll remember He's it. A character. But I'm also going to remember what a clown show he is. Yeah, I think that's right. And if, if you're asking, you're asking me the you are asking me the question, right? I am. I am. If it was me and I'm coaching George, no, George would not like life right I, now. I didn't ask if you were coaching him. I wanted to know how you felt about the situation overall. I can't believe I, we need more George Pappas's. Well, so then, then what you're telling me is this: you're telling me when a team's up one ten to fifty five, run your offense and go run a lob dunk at the end for for blanks and giggles. Well, first of all, I'd be fine with that. I like sportsmanship. I do not care about. I'm a big class. I, I, I believe, do not care. I about believe it in it. You know, I believe in it. I know you do, but I just I could care less about. You it, beat my ass. I'll shake your hand. I beat your ass. You shake my hand. It's pretty simple. <laughs> but I do love. I mean, the best part about this though is not just the dunk and him getting up in the dude's face. But when he turns back around and you see that close up of the face. That is, I mean, truly the face of a man so who doesn't he, give an F. What, yeah, what did he get out of this? Absolutely nothing other than, well, a, a little bit other of than high, Other than highlight no, no one, No one would ever know <laughs> Everyone, this dude's name. You know what it is? You know in today's day of branding yourself? This is the George Pappas brand. Except here's the worst part You know what we're going to have in 10 years? The next guy that does this? Hey, do you see, do you see Jim Smith pull the Pappas? Yeah, ex- see? Exactly right. And that's what he should have been doing. He should be creating a social media brand right now. Hashtag the, hashtag the Pappas. The end, maybe, of a, end of a gameplay is called the Pappas now. Maybe get a TikTok going. <laughs> he, he should have been making his brand off of this. But you know what he did instead? He deleted his Twitter account because he was getting like death threats from Kansas well, fans or and something. That, and, that, and that's that's silly too, as you know. I mean, come on. It, 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 look, I get you booing the guy. I get all that, but look, seriously, give me a break. The guy didn't commit murder. He did something stupid in a basketball game, in my opinion. He didn't kill a kid. Didn't kill a kitty. Okay, he didn't. Maybe he's killed kitties before, but he didn't kill a kitty in that Jesus. moment. As I tweeted. I'm buying the jersey. I love George Pappas. Can't get enough of it. I'm going to get my first piece of Monmouth apparel. Gosh, man, this I, week. I got that cover last night because of the Pappas. You see, you see, you see, Fred pull the Pappas in the in the Vermont game. I love. Who? Thank God he pulled the Pappas. Right, a loss. We're going to have a Pappas update on every podcast from here on. Uh, we Just should. His, he we averages should. two point nine points a game, by the way. So he's a star. What was he at at that point? Did he need that for his average? Probably. He was probably had zero for the game. He's like, well, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to crush my average. Yeah. One and a half. Yeah, I need to game. get this. I'll be two point seven after this dunk. <laughs> Good stuff. That's a good topic, though. I like it. All right. I got an off-the-wall one for you before we get to our betting picks. All right. So I'm in San Francisco on Saturday, and we I was my was with my buddy who came from Dallas, and he had a couple buddies came with him. And so we go to the hotel, and we're going to go down to downtown later in the night. But we had an afternoon to kind of kill and chill, and so we were going to watch a little college football. So we make a drive down to the Safeway to get some beer and some sandwich food, and we're coming back. And it's weird in, San, in, in this one part of San Francisco, actually we're by the airport, it had this, like, stop stop sign that actually lights up it's not always working it's like it kind of has a flow of traffic and because initially we were driving down, i'm like what are those things well we saw it all of a sudden it starts flashing stop sign so i come to a come to my stop and i see little jimmy's crossing the crosswalk something well i'm not going to go till jimmy's done crossing the crosswalk jimmy's got his head he's got his earphones in earbuds in rather earbuds in head down in the phone and it's a fairly long crosswalk yeah well fred who's to the right of me decides he's going to turn left i guess didn't see jimmy bang didn't hit him he hard. Hit Jimmy? Didn't hit him hard. Your bang sounded hard. It, yeah, well, yeah, it was no. enough. It was enough where I actually had my, my head down in my cell phone. Jim, Jimmy flopped. He took the charge. He took the charge. Yeah. Well, because everybody in the car that was with me went, "Oh my god!" And I, I looked up, and I'm thinking, "Look, the driver." And you tell the driver is mortified that he did it. Got, so Jimmy gets up. <laughs> yeah, I would hope. Well, yeah, but Jimmy gets up and he's angry as all get out, right? Yeah, fair. And the also driver. Fair. And the driver. I mean, you can tell he like gets out of the car and he's like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." You know, what I'm blaming part of this on. 
Jimmy? Jimmy! Yeah, you think? Pick your head up out of your damn cell phone crossing the crosswalk. Don't assume that everybody knows you're crossing the crosswalk, dumbass. And I see this downtown all the time. All the time. In fact, it happened yesterday. In fact, it was a light I was at. And I was, look, I had to get a tooth cut out of my head yesterday. So I'm hopped up on meds driving even. That's so I, good. So I'm, I'm at a stop light. I'm a car behind somebody. Light turns green. Susie decides she's going to shuffle across the street there at, uh, at 5th and, and Walnut. And car starts to go. And she gives this incredulous look like, and then she decides she's going to saunter even slower. And I yelled, move your ass, sugar blank. And she looks at me and I said, it wasn't your turn in the crosswalk. But of course, not paying an ounce of attention. It's her crosswalk. We're only living in it. I Honestly, if it would have been me, I might have hit her. And I might have been justified. That was your skinnies old guy take of the week. Brought to you by Gold Bond you Medicated gotta- Powder. <laughs> I, I like gold bond, actually. I think I figured as much. You got to admit, though, if you're crossing the crosswalk, at that you do have to get your head up, at least look around at your surroundings, because you can't assume that everybody knows you're in the crosswalk. I right? don't think this is your worst take. I Thank do you. think that is probably a fair Thank point. Thank you. I'm sorry Jimmy got hit. I really I, am. Jimmy sounds like he had a rough day. <laughs> but <laughs> how about that, man? The thing is, you think you're all nice and safe. Look at your thing. Bam. Oh, it was clearly a block. <laughs> I mean, he was still moving. He was still, he was moving. still moving. He was still moving. So, yeah, block block for sure on Jimmy. All right, Skinny, let's get to our betting picks. You got our records there at the top? I do. I was 7-9 last week. I'm, I'm treading my way back towards the 500 mark. In fact, right now, based on units, if you give the 10% VIG, I am a little bit down. I'm actually, I'd be minus, I'm 80-74-1, which would make me about minus 0.1 units. So you'd basically be breaking even with me. Rick was seven and nine, but on the year eighty six, sixty eight and one. Based on that, Rick's up about two, about eleven units. That's pretty good. I'm so trending back that's towards the towards that line, well, but, yeah. but still, you got a six pick lead on me, and we got a lot of games to pick, starting with tonight. Yeah, Wednesday seven thirty. We've got Akron at Miami of Ohio. The Red Hawks are favored by thirty one, and the total is forty three. Akron might be one of the five worst teams in all yeah, of college football. They, suck. they are awful. I, has they have they covered a game yet? Uh, I'm sure they've covered somewhere I mean, co- on the way. Yeah, yeah. They've not won. They're and 10 um, I'm gonna guess they lost to Buffalo by 21 and Central Mish by 21 I'm gonna guess both of those margins were probably probably Central Mish had to be more than a 21 point favorite I, I could be wrong on that they've lost um, they've lost Mac games by a combined 247 to 40 again in the Mac they've not played anyone closer than 21 breaking news they've not covered Akron has not won against the spread all season that's incredible I this mean is, if you think about that that's incredible this is they've got two chances left Miami at Miami and home against Ohio. Miami hanging a 31 normally to me, I would say, boy, they're not good enough offensively. But I want, here's another stat I'm going to put on you. Do you have Akron's schedule up? Because I want you to confirm something for me. I do. Miami just beat Bowling Green 44-3. And I know you can't always compare scores. Miami just beat Bowling Green 44-3. Two weeks ago, Bowling Green beat Akron 31-6. Does that sound right? 35-6. 35-6. Yeah, I'm going to go Miami... 45 to 6. So I'll take the Red Hawks in the over. I guess the only thing that you can say is Miami's already clinched the East. They've already clinched the bowl bid. They've already clinched everything they can clinch. But they also have a chance, Rick, tonight. If they get this win, it would be win number seven. First time since 2010 they've won seven games or more. They will clinch their second non-losing season and have a chance with one more win to clinch their first winning season since 2010. I think they've got a lot still to play for if you're Chuck Martin. You still got some selling points to sell to them. I think you're facing Akron team. You think they want to be in Oxford, Ohio on a Wednesday night at 0 10 in 38 degree under the lights? Under, no. Miami, I think, does. I think Miami showed against Bowling Green. They're starting to play and they're starting to play really, really well. One four straight. The, the win is not in question. It's whether or not you want to lay the 31. And normally with Miami, I'd say not a freaking chance here. There's no way you can take Akron and feel comfortable getting the 31. I'd like to point out that I think Tara Blake said it was going to be a little bit warmer to, uh, this evening. So maybe like a low of four, 48 for them instead okay. of 38. So okay. might not be too More bad for Akron. But I'm with you. Miami is going to cover. I thought cover. you were tell me Tara Blake told me that Akron was going to cover. Well, she, she, <laughs> she might have thought that too. But it was a bad year for me to pick to go against Jed Demusi and the Red Hawks. Loving they, they have had a nice season. And I think they cover 31 easily against this Akron team. I'm going Miami 42, Akron 7, so that's Miami. We're almost dead on the same. Yeah, we're almost dead on it. All right, and that brings us to Saturday at noon. We've got Penn State at Ohio State. Ohio State is favored by 18. The total is 57 in that one. The Buckeyes let me down, Rick, laying that 52. It It was never in doubt, right? So you know what the best part of that is? I get to the casino on Thursday to place my bets, right? Not on the board? Not on the board. 
It wow. was at 52 and a half when I left my house. They didn't have it on the board. Wow. I couldn't bet it. I got lucky. Yeah, Chase Young is back. Ohio State is for real. The 18 number looks like it's just begging you to take Penn State. Begging you. And I just can't do it. I'm going to probably be wrong because Penn State is pretty good. I, you know, I thought they didn't play great at Minnesota, but I think a lot of that told us a little bit about Minnesota as a team. And I think Minnesota showed even fighting against Iowa. Minnesota is pretty legit. Are they good enough to be in the, in the college football playoff? No. But Minnesota is more legit than I think any of us gave Minnesota credit for. But Ohio State is just so stinking good. I'm going to go. And, and Penn State is okay defensively. They're not great. I'll go Buckeyes, 38-17. Probably closer to the cover than you think, but I'm going to go Ohio State and slightly on the under train. Yeah, Penn State just coming back and barely pulling that game out against Indiana. I get it. You had the big letdown against Minnesota. Indiana's also pretty good this year, too. I think Indiana's Uh, good. I think they're good. I don't think they're great. They're good. I I don't know. I'm, I'm not big on that Indiana team at all. I was disappointed in what I saw out of Penn State coming off that Minnesota what loss. What about, by the way, Sean Clifford getting death threats? That's absurd. Hey, that's a little frightening, honestly. But unfortunately, not surprising considering what I see on a regular basis uh, covering college Good athletics. Point. I think you got to take Ohio State to cover here, and I think they do it big. I've got Ohio State 52, Penn State 17. So wow. that's OSU and easily hitting the over. Bring us to Saturday at 7. We've got Temple at Cincinnati. The Bearcats are favored by 10 in the hook. The total is 46.5. UC on the road and UC at home seem to be two completely divergent different teams. And um, while I like Temple and they're a nice team and I can't believe they were somehow a six-point underdog at home to Tulane on Saturday and not only covered but won it outright and won it outright with ease, Yeah, um, it doesn't sway my opinion from saying that UC comfortably wins this. I just, like I said, I think UC is a different team at home. They play with a little more confidence. I know Des Ritter's dealing with with some stuff, and he didn't play great on Saturday. Um, I I didn't pick UC. I mean, I picked UC to, to not cover down at South Florida. I, I just thought that the, the way they've been on the road was was going to point to that, and I didn't think they'd barely survive and win. But they're just two different teams. So I think UC at home, the defense is is going to be revved up. I think the offense does enough. I don't think it's dynamic, but I'm going to go Bearcatty comfortably thirty one ten. So I'm going to go UC in the under. I like UC thirty one. Temple 21 here, so that's Temple to cover and the over as well. I think they score against this Temple Yeah, team, I mean, we so both like have them with over. 31. I just think UC does a better job defensively. I think they, they really stuff at the Temple, and Temple has a hard time scoring. Kentucky plays UT Martin this week, but there is no line out for yeah, that so game Yeah, so there will be probably by the time Saturday hits, so let's go ahead and pick a score. What do you think? It's going to be 24 and a half? I think it'll be 30-something. I think Kentucky roll. I mean, Kentucky just ran for 400 against Vandy. They're going to run for 500 against UT Martin. Kentucky 51-7. I'll go Kentucky 42, UT Martin 10. And Kentucky with a win does become bowl eligible, and then they would play Louisville, and a win there probably puts them in the Liberty Bowl. So there you go. There you go. All right, time for our NFL game starting Thursday night, 8-20. Indianapolis is at Houston. The Texans are favored by four. The total is 45.5. Um, Houston got steamrolled, obviously, by Baltimore. Yeah, did um, not look good. Did not look good. The offensive line did not look good. But this happened to them earlier in the year, and I fell off the Houston train. And then Bill O'Brien and, and the staff, they got the offensive line fixed again. They worked around. They're, they're, they're a little deficient there. And so I think, again, just from, from the sheer numbers of it, you're going to look up and go, God, Houston stunk. So, man, that four points looks big. I think Houston gets it home. This is a big divisional game, obviously. It's a it's a showdown in, the, in that division for first place. Yep. I think Houston gets it done and gets it done rather handily. I'll go, I'll go Texans 31-17, so Houston in the over is my play. I actually like the Texans as well, and my gut tells me to pick them, but I feel like I'm always wrong when I bet on the Texans. So what I'm doing this week is – Colts winning outright. Wow. I'm going Colts 27, Texans 24. Gosh. Colts and the over. No no Marlon Mack? And honest to God, my only reasoning for that is because I feel like my instincts are always wrong with the Texans. I think this is going to be a Deshaun Watson 310-yard, three-touchdown performance, and they're going to wipe that Ravens game from their memory. Well, you might be right. I would just tell you this. You should be fading my NFL picks already this year because they have been so bad. It's, It's almost unfathomable. So that's what you do the George Costanza. Go the opposite. Exactly right. Sunday at 1 o'clock, Pittsburgh is at Cincinnati. The Bengals are underdogs by 6.5. The total is 39. 
It's always laughable with the Bengals, right? You're not going to ever pick them, and I fully understand that. But Pittsburgh is a mess. They're I think not they're. Good. I think they're probably a little bit of an emotional mess. I think Mason Rudolph now has been exposed um, as what he is, which is probably a backup Wait, do you quarterback. Mean his brain at best. has been exposed. Well, his brain's been exposed brain too, matter. for sure. Um, you know the Marquise Pouncey suspension, James Conner. They don't run it great. Juju Smith-Schuster. I if he, if he plays, it's going to be one more hit, and out he goes. I think Pittsburgh's a mess. You know, Bengals are obviously a mess too, but I do think the Bengals play them tough. I think they lead late in the game, thirteen to twelve. But like Pittsburgh does to the Bengals, time and time again, I think they've won ten in a row. They eat this one out. I'll go Pittsburgh fifteen thirteen. So the Bengals cover, and it goes way under. Yeah, I don't see any of that happening. I think the Bengals <laughs> just flat out lose the Steelers. The Steelers are reeling, but they'll get right against the Bengals as they always do. 24-14, Steelers cover, and it goes under. All right. That takes us to Sunday, 8-20. You got Green Bay at San Francisco. The Niners are favored by three. The total is 46 and a half. San Fran, even though you look at the final score, was the 10-point margin. They scored late to take the lead and then got a fumble recovery to end up winning the game against Arizona, actually sealing the game against Arizona. Right. I think Green Bay's playing really well. I, um, I don't think San Fran is. The Quan Alexander injury seems to have affected them. They've been pretty good offensively, but Green Bay's been pretty good defensively. I'm going to take Green Bay on a road game here. Um, I, th- I would take Green Bay 27-23, so I'll take Green Bay in the over. Damn, you're killing me because I thought I had had the 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 contrarian pick here again last week you did it with me with the Steelers we both got it wrong this week I liked Green Bay again to win straight up and I like them by four points as well I'm a a little higher on the overall score though I got Green Bay 31 Niners 27 so that's Green Bay and the so we both got Green Bay by a four point outright victory yeah I like it uh I don't like that I liked it better when I only had it there you go Monday night 8 15 Baltimore at LA Playing against the Rams, the Ravens are favored by three in that game. 46.5 is the total. Ordinarily, I hate being laying, laying numbers on the road. I just hate it with a passion. But the Rams, just they're not very dynamic. Um, they, they, they don't run it great. Jared Goff has not been great. I know that this is probably a sucker line because as great as Baltimore's been, you're looking and going, I'm only laying a field goal. I don't care if I play them in a parking lot on a, on a Thursday in Sheboygan. It doesn't matter. It's hard for me to pick against Baltimore. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the out there and tell you I'm gonna be probably dead wrong on this. I'll go Baltimore fairly easily on the road. Twenty seven seventeen. Baltimore in the under. I you're right. The Rams are not that explosive of an offense, but for some reason I just have the feeling that this ends up being kind of a shootout. I yeah. can see the Rams leading early, but the Ravens are gonna come back and win the game eventually and put up some points. I like the Ravens thirty four, Rams twenty seven. So that's Ravens. And the over. I agree with you. That line of three just feels too small. I know they're on the road, but man, it doesn't feel I feel right. better teasing the Rams up to nine and being done with it. If I was going to play this game and so teasing it with something else, I couldn't. I, I, I just I can't do either line. I can't I'm do it either you. way. I'm with you on that. That sounds about right. All right, Skinny, let's go to our college basketball betting picks, which uh, we last week you were unbelievable. How about that? Seven and one, apparently. Twelve and four on the season. You were three and five and eight and eight. Nailing home runs all over the place, Rick, in college basketball. Fade me in football. Pick me up in basketball until I go 0-6 this week. You were unbelievable. You could have knocked up some nice parlays for people last week if they wouldn't have taken advantage. Hopefully I did. Hopefully I did. All right, tonight at 7 p.m., Wednesday, 7 p.m., you got NKU at Ball State. Ball State is the favorite by six in that game. The total is 134. Well, here's the question for me is, and I'm going to have to ask you this question, how does the Jalen Tate injury affect this NKU team? Uh, It it affects them. I mean, no doubt about it. He's their... Starting point guard, um, a go-to option on offense, their best defender. It really hurts them. But at the same time, getting Bryce Langdon in changed. I mean, it gave them a backup ball handler, a guy that can make some plays in the open court and kind of keep them going. Against a team like Ball State, who is a nice team, it's, I think it's going to cost them more than it did you know, against Coppin State right. at home this past right. weekend. I like Ball State to win this, but I do think NKU will keep it close. I'm going Ball State 66, NKU 62. So that's NKU <laughs> covering the spread and the under. All right, I'm going to go Ball State 69-61. We, nice. we both agree on the under, and Ball State covers. They make some late free throws, and you get frustrated. And then somebody from Ball State pulls a Pappas, and they cover. <laughs> I might be a bit of a homer with that pick, so watch it. Thursday at 7, Xavier playing Towson, and that is in the Charleston Classic. The Musketeers are favored by 11. 137 is the total. 
Just the way X has played offensively, it's hard for me to lay double digits uh, in, in a game. I, I think X wins it. I don't think it's really in doubt, but I just have a hard time laying that 11. I'll go X 69-62 sounds about right, so X in the under. Yeah, I mean, we're about right on the same line in terms of the number. I think it's going to be a little bit more low scoring than that. I'm going to say Xavier 64, Towson 57. So that is Towson and the under. I'm with you. I just I think Xavier wins this and is kind of in control the whole way, but I just don't see them winning by double digits, yeah, I mean, yeah. especially on the road, unless they get their shooting. To, to I mean, they're having a hard enough time shooting it at home. Right. Right I, away from home. I don't see it all of a sudden breaking out there. Yeah, agree. So I could be wrong. Friday, 545, Illinois State against Cincinnati. That is in the Paradise Jam. And the Bearcats are favored by 15. The total is 136. Yeah, again, this is kind of a similar scenario. I mean, a lot of this is going to be dependent on Jaron Cumberland. I don't see him sitting out this game. Right. Do you? No. Uh, yeah, I, no, I, I, think, think, I think message sent. Now, whether message was received, I don't know, but at least message sent. I don't think it'll matter against Illinois State. I don't think it will either, but I still think I think Illinois State covers. It's a big number to me. I'll go UC 71-58. You're going to sweat the cover. Um, so I'm going UC. Actually, I'm going Illinois State and the under in that one. I'm going Cincinnati 80, Illinois State 62. So that'll be UC and the over. over. Yeah, I think they they get it done. Again, I I think Vegas is still very conservative on these UC lines with John Brandon coaching. Yeah, I think because you're basing it kind of on past style of play in your mind. And they had that ugly game against Ohio State where everyone went, oh, same old UC. Right, right. And I just don't think that's quite the case. Okay. Um, Friday, 7 o'clock, Mount St. Mary at Kentucky. Wildcats are favored by 26 in this one. The total is 132. I ain't laying Kentucky more than double digits at this point. It's, it's, I mean, it's really hard to, right? I, I know what they did to Eastern Kentucky, and that that, yeah. that seemed like everything was right with the world. I'll go Mount, Mount St. Mary's in an ups. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go that. That is true. I'll go UK. Oh, let's go UK 77. Eh, they're not going to score 77. They're not capable of that. I'll go UK 72, Mount St. Mary 54. Five. So, uh, Mount St. Mary in the under. All right. I think UK actually does get it going again offensively and, and handles Mount St. Mary's, but 26 is still a lot to cover. I think the Wildcats score 83 here, Mount St. Mary's 59. So, that's Mount St. Mary's and the over. All right. So, so again, very close to the number for sure. Yep. All right, Rick, anything else? Any final thoughts? No, I think we wrapped it up. Uh, shout out to, who was it, Glenn that got hit by the... Oh, uh, Jimmy. Jimmy. Little Jimmy. Poor yeah, Jimmy. Shout yeah. out to Jimmy. Jimmy. I hope he's healing well. I hope he is too, stupid stupid ass. Make sure you don't put your head in your phone when you're crossing the crosswalk. That's the lesson for today, kids. That and Gold Pond Powder. All of those things are good lessons for you. All right, for Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us. It's the weekly Skinny Podcast, the Popery Edition, presented by Joseph Chevrolet. <laughs>